we're back to talk about the Book of Boba Fett finale, finally. To be honest, I still have mixed bag feelings about the finale of the Book of Boba Fett. George Lucas just loved spins, so if anything, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is just honouring that great Star Wars tradition. We now know that Boba Fett is a poet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Bob has got like a list of haikus and stuff some ways he's been writing down over the years. Hello there, and welcome to episode 45 of Life from Vader's Castle. As always, you're joined by your two hosts, myself, Dan McQuarrie, and my co-host, John Lee. How's it going, John? Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome back. I mean, yeah, it's all, all good here. I've somehow I've nailed myself to the floor, so I haven't blown away yet. Um, but yeah, I'm all good here. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be back. We, uh, we missed last week because... Uh, just life being very busy. We've uh, we've tried to be very consistent for the for the all forty five episodes of Life from Vader's Castle, but uh, last week was a little bit too tricky to to squeeze an episode in. Um, my work has really picked up and got super busy recently, so it's uh, we had to take a wee break week. But we're back to talk about the Book of Boba Fett finale. Finally, we're here to talk about it. And and yeah, John, I'm the same. I, I haven't been blown away by is it Dennis and Eunice. I haven't, I haven't blown me off my feet yet, so I'm, I'm still standing. I'm, I'm ready to talk about Boba Fett. Good. I mean, for the uh, American listeners, this is basically England has suffered a, I'm sure in comparison to your guys' tornadoes and stuff, a very minor storm where wheelie bins have been sent <laughs> flying. Uh, that is literally the most extreme it's got here. Uh, and again, compared to your tornadoes and hurricanes you get in some parts of your country, I'm sure we seem like little uh, bitches moaning about it but oh well um, yeah i was gonna say for our for our listeners in i know we've got like one or two in florida and uh and up on the up on the the uh, east coast and they probably get hurricanes all the time so us moaning about our 50 mile an hour gusts over in the uk is pretty uh pretty pathetic but that's what being british is all about <laughs> Yeah, as soon as any extreme weather comes up, whether it be rain, snow or wind, we seem to just bunker down and everyone panics and the world grinds to a halt in the UK. But I mean, as long as we've still got our Star Wars content, who cares what's going on outside? Yeah, exactly. I spent I spent Storm, I think I think it was Dennis that hit us. I spent Storm Dennis inside of a marquee keeping an eye on whether it was gonna blow away or not, and then having to zip tie down the sides that we're getting getting pulled away so um it was a very thrilling experience um but as you said john when when we've got star wars to fall back on you know we can it's quite easy just to hunker down for the storm and watch them consume some star wars media instead mm. yeah i mean i feel like the star wars news recently has actually been in uh popping off i don't think i actually think we've oh, mentioned it we've had some juicy stuff haven't we because like, we've had like the confirmed dates for like obi-wan but i don't I don't think we've mentioned it. I don't no. remember mentioning yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it happened think... just after the finale of Boba dropped, so we haven't had a chance yeah. to talk about it. But Obi-Wan Kenobi, May 25th. How are you feeling about that? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm over the moon. I finally get a date. I mean, it's going to be... It's going it's just going to be unbelievable, isn't it? Every, I mean, I'm sure I said there's about Book of Boba Fett and, and stuff, but it's just going to be... Oh, it's going to be magical. So anyway, it's a the time to be a Star Wars fan. I think everyone's excited for a Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, mm. But I'm, 
like everyone was excited for Book of Boba Fett. Some people lived up some expe- expectations, some it didn't, which is absolutely fine. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm worried about because I think the expectation for Obi-Wan Kenobi is so high that if it's a nine out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10, people are going to be angry about it. But I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm so excited for the show and I know that I'm going to love it because, you know, the characters are great. The era is great. Deborah Chow's brilliant, the director. So I think it's going to be fantastic, but I just, I want people to lower their expectations slightly because the expectation going into this is humongous. Mm. I think what it might have going for it, as opposed to, as you said, like people are overhyped, like Book of Boba Fett, and then they might have come out disappointed, is, well, I know for me personally, like Book of Boba Fett, I was going for like the show being a lot more like action-based. While for Obi-Wan, I'm kind of leaning more towards like a character study, which I feel like uh, is a is a safer hedge to bet on for Obi-Wan, I think. Mm, you know, that's from, what I want it to be as well, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, from like everything we've ever seen in him, I'd say like, you know, original trilogy, Clone Wars and stuff. Like, cool, he had some like unbelievable fight, lightsaber fight scenes and all that stuff, but I think he really shone at his best when, like, it, the, you know, you, you got a bit of, like, Obi-Wan comedy here, like, you know, a bit of character development there. I think, those, so hopefully, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they'll keep to that in the, in the show and, and people, the people that we moaning would be the ones that it's like, it's not Obi-Wan versus Vader every episode and they'll be like, oh, no, why why isn't Vader fighting Obi-Wan in this episode? And they'll just be drowned out because mm, yeah. they'll be morons. I'm, anyway. I'm definitely of the opinion that I want this. I think six episodes, I think, is what has been confirmed. I want the first five episodes to be character study of Obi-Wan and Anakin, some good flashbacks, a little bit of action, but and then building to that final episode where we have the confrontation between the two. That's what I want. I want a nice, I want to learn what's going on in Obi-Wan Kenobi's head in between A New Hope and River and Revenge of Sith, that middle point, 10 years in between. Um, I want to know, you know how he's feeling about Order 66, how he's feeling about him being a Jedi, no longer being a Jedi, decision to stay on Tatooine to look after Luke. Why would he leave Tatooine as he probably is in the series? I want to know what what Vader's thinking. I want to know why in um, A New Hope, they have that conversation of last time we saw each other, you know, like I was a student and you you were the master in terms of like, is, is, is Vader you know, talking about the fact that when they met here, Vader was still a, still a student of the Sith. Obviously this is a retrospective storytelling. So clearly Lucas, hasn't even figured out what that line meant yet, but I want to get all that, all that deep character stuff going on. And I just want to see you and McGregor again and Hayden. So I'm very excited. Yeah. I mean, it just it reminds me of, uh, well, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head is that fan made Obi-Wan film. I think it's probably about 20 minutes and it's just Obi-Wan on Tatooine, like trying to figure out, how he's going to protect Luke and stuff like that. And I thought that was a good little fan fan film. So they keep like that theme going, I suppose, you know, obviously people at Lucasfilm will write and tell a much, a 10 times hundreds better story than this, this poor fan, no, no shame to him, but obviously they get the money in the back end behind it. Um, so oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It should be good. And I think I, I'm going to go out there and say, I think there'll be less disappointment um, across the board with everyone than there has been on Book of Boba Fett because I think there's been a there's been a few people, uh, myself included, that I think Book of Boba Fett didn't quite live up to what they were hoping for, which is, a, you know, sometimes you just have to take that L and bounce and be like, ah, oh, I was expecting too much or like, I didn't I didn't think it'd go in this direction and it did sort of thing. But I'm, I'm sure everyone will live up to the hype. Yeah. It's everyone. How can it yeah. not? Plus that post is awesome. Like just seeing... Obi-Wan in the distance walking through the desert. Jeez. 
looks really cool. Um, and I am, I am very confident that he will be leaving Tatooine. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have a whole other series of a show set on Tatooine. Um, not that that's an issue because Tatooine is the most important planet in Star Wars, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see the reasoning that Obi-Wan has to leave. And, you know, this is a, one of my favorite eras of Star Wars is the, the reign of the empire and the sort of the start of the rebellion. Like we got in rebels and that sort of thing. So seeing a couple inquisitors about, obviously seeing Vader, seeing the empire, maybe we're going to see a bit of talking involved. I'd love them to, to um, use that fantastic deep fake technology that they've got to bring in a character like Tarkin. I've got, got a lot of confidence this is going to be a fantastic show. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Like, especially after the um, the deep fake on Luke, um, this the last episode of Boba Fett. I'm interested to see who they could who they could put in for uh, Obi Wan. I mean, could we get? Yeah, could we get an even better Tarkin than we got in? Um, uh, what's up then? <laughs> Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought, than Rogue One. <laughs> at the time, I thought it was okay, but obviously now, like, what we've seen with um, Luke and Book of it, I mean, I'm assuming it'd be again like, ten yeah. times, a hundred times better than. Yeah, they've uh, come a long way since then. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I, th- I think there's there's definitely room to for some other characters to come in there and, and play about in that era. I'd be interested to find out whether Obi Wan and Ahsoka ever saw each other again after they sort of went their separate ways during the Clone Wars. I don't have to see it. I don't need to see it. I'm interested to see if that is a story ready to be told. But at the end of the day, I want it to be completely focused on Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. And if it delivers on that, then I'm going to be a happy fan. But yeah, May 25th is a date that I'm very excited for. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be unbelievable. And it's, it's, so, it's such around the corner as well. I feel like it's literally going to come in like no time. Like before you know yeah, it, we'll be yeah. sitting on the podcast talking about everyone. Oh, exciting. And we also just found out the other day that John Williams himself, the legend, is returning to do the... Uh, the. He's not scoring the entire show. He's just doing sort of like the the main theme of the show. So I imagine it will sort of be like Obi-Wan's character theme or something like that for the show in the same way that with Book of Boba Fett, like Ludwig Göransson did the main Boba Fett theme and then someone else did sort of like the, the musical score for each episode. But my God, John Williams coming back from his so-called Star Wars retirement to deliver on a score for Obi-Wan, a theme for Obi-Wan tells me that this show is going to be something special and that Clearly, Lucasfilm know that they're sitting on something good if they've gone to the legend of John Williams and said, right, we need you back for one more. And he's agreed to come back for it. Must mean that it's some absolute dynamite that they're sitting on right now. So, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously, I'm assuming John Williams has has seen the whole um, show to do the score. You know, you've got to get a vibe for what the character's going through in that that series and stuff to write it. I, I can only imagine. So I'm assuming he's seen it and been like, yep, going in this is this is pure gold you can't not have me on this yeah yeah oh i'm excited very excited lots of exciting star wars stuff to come um you know and that's that's only the start of it we've got Andor, more bad batch mando season three which i think there's a lot of hype for now after the book of boba fett ahsoka coming next year plenty more high republic we've got a couple of obi-wan focused books coming out this year as well i think the first one comes out in may as well so oh a, uh, a real feast of Star Wars in this this year still to come. Yeah, Star Wars fans are, are eating well this year. I think we uh, we've been blessed. I mean, we've been blessed for the last like few years. To be fair, um, yeah. 
since yeah. Disney's acquisition. Um, so I, it's I think, only going up. Yeah, I, I and I mean, we'll, we'll segue into our main topic of discussion, the book of Boba Fett. And um, I'll get into my own personal feelings about the episodes and then pass over to you in a minute. But I just... I know it, it, the finale was definitely a mixed bag in terms of response from fans. I think we we can all accept that, that some people really enjoyed it, found it quite fun. Some people found it disappointing. Some people were a bit mad on the whole thing. And I think all those opinions are absolutely fair. Um, but I do think regardless of how you feel, I think it's very, oh, I was sitting there after the episode thinking, you know, we, the finale of Boba Fett dropped and then we got a poster for Kenobi in the same day. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like we are living in the best era of Star Wars. Whatever you think of what Disney's, the direction that Disney's taken Star Wars, personally, I, I think that they've hit, they've landed way more times than they've missed. Um, but I'm more of a sequel fan than more, you know, than a lot of people, but that's, that's just me. Um, but I think Disney's done a great job, but what they're, what they've done is they've turned Star Wars into something where every week, really, we have something new when it comes to comics or books or um, TV shows or whatever. So um, I'm very, very happy about the, the place that we're in as, as Star Wars fans. And I think that whatever you think of Boba Fett, if you didn't like it, that's absolutely fine. We've got something else coming out very soon. And I don't think people should just give up on Star Wars because there was one show that they didn't really like because well, we're getting so much more and it all sounds incredibly exciting and amazing. So I think we should, uh, I think we should appreciate the mouse for once because I think Disney is delivering on some, some great Star Wars content for fans. And it's like a buffet, you know, some, you're not going to like everything on a buffet. Some people don't like fish, but you, you just don't eat the fish and you eat the chicken instead. And uh, I think that's, that's what Disney's offering us was with Star Wars at the moment. And I think we should, we should all appreciate it. Um, but uh, before I get into my Book of Boba Fett finale opinions, John, why don't you kick us off? What did, what did you think of the finale and anything in regards to what I just said about the, the Disney buffet of Star Wars? Um, ooh, I, I, I like the buffet analogy. It's completely right. I mean, because Disney is producing so much or is and like will be in the next few years producing so much stuff, like, there's always going to be you know things that didn't hit home with you or you weren't like 100% sure on. And the slack is, as you said, you know, you just don't don't pick that that menu, that meal off the off the table. You just go for something else you know you like. Um, so it's a great analogy, and I think it's true. Um, I don't, I'm still, I, to be honest, I still have mixed bag feelings about the finale of the Book of Boba Fett because there were some unbelievably cool scenes. You know, like um, him and Mando doing that little showdown with all the bad guys. The Rancor coming out was cool. Cab Bane was cool. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like, there's so many excellent, cool bits of dialogue and just moments in the episode that are like 10 out of 10, like fantastic. It's exactly what I wanted to see. And then every now and again, there was like a a few bits that disappointed me in the finale. Um, there's a couple, I think, to, uh, personally, the pacing in the middle really bothered me. Like I just felt like at times the pacing just seemed really slow in in that middle sections of it. Like we had, I think an example. You know, we had the the cool shootout with Mando and Boba. You know, they're out on the um, like I don't know outside that bar, getting shot at, firing off. You know, it was cool, badass seeing two of them going going up against the pikes side by side. Excellent. And then the um, the people of Freetown show up again. Still excellent. 
it's like camaraderie, hurrah, the, the cavalry showing up. Um, they're still fighting, still putting out to the max. Then the droids showed up, and I thought, oh, these are cool. And then I think once the droids showed up, the pacing went from like, it was like going like 80 miles an hour, and it dropped to like 35. And you know when you're in a car and you're like on the motorway, and then you come off the motorway onto like town roads and you feel like you're going really slow. That's kind of how it felt for me personally um, at that point. And I, and then then it kind of picked up again a bit towards after a bit with the, with the when the rancor showed up and then again it went back down. And it was just, it was, I think it was just a lot of that. It was like up and down pacing wise for me. And like, I don't know. I just felt at times, I, just, oh, I, I really don't know how to describe it, but I, I did enjoy it. But I just think that it could have, there was just something not quite a hundred percent with it, if that makes sense. I don't know if I was, explain that very well i think your your pacing analogy is pretty pretty accurate to be fair i do think that there i think the whole show itself but this last episode did have some patient pacing issues um i don't like i don't like to be the one to like point fingers but i do think that personally i think robert rodriguez's episodes were the ones that had more pacing issues than the non Robert Rodriguez episodes, but I think that he delivers, he delivered some of the best action of the series as well. So I do think I'm, I'm not trying to like say that he's the problem because, you know, someone doesn't like an episode. It's not, you can't blame on one person. Favreau wrote the story and all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm not trying to blame it on Rodriguez. I just thought it was, you know, worth pointing out that there were some pacing issues and perhaps that's just his style of direction that wasn't quite working or maybe, maybe it wasn't, but, I can agree with you on on a lot of that. I think my overall opinion is I actually still really really liked it. Um, I, it felt like a like a movie to me, in, in the sense of it was an hour long. It was just loads of action. It was exciting. It was it really felt fun. Like it felt like really fun, goofy Star Wars action adventure. Um, it felt to me it sort of felt quite a lot like the last hour or so of Attack of the Clones, um, where it's just like really fun, goofy, campy action. And there's just a lot of noise and a lot going on, but you can't help but enjoy it. That's sort of how it felt to me. And uh, critically, people didn't like that at the time. And critically, people didn't like this at the time. So I guess there is there is a bit of a, a similarity between the two. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is it the best episode of the series? Absolutely not. Is it the best um, finale of any of the live action or animated shows? Absolutely not. But I still had a lot of fun with it. I still... Obviously, there's stuff that I would have preferred, different directions that I might have perhaps preferred, but I can only speak on what we actually got in front of us. And I definitely had a lot of fun watching it. I definitely had a big goofy smile on my face when we got to the end of the episode. And do I think it's a perfect piece of television? No, not really. But Star Wars has a way of being pretty unperfect at times and still being really endearing and enjoyable. And I think that that's ultimately how I felt about the book of Boba Fett finale. So I think your, your criticisms are fair. And I actually do agree with you. The pacing when the right, when the big droids came out did feel really weird. Like it was a lot of like standing around and shooting for like 15 minutes straight. And then you'd cut away to like the really fast pace of like Mando sort of like telling Pelly to like turn the other way and jumping on that little chariot, which was like some of the best parts of the episode. So I do think it was choppy at times and imperfect at times, but overall um, I had a lot of fun with it. And I think if I was going to describe 
the fine the finale in one word it would be fun and because i just i had a lot of fun with it i laughed i cheered i got a little bit emotional from a few times um i just i think it um it was an, an imperfect finale but an enjoyable one yeah i 100% agree um i, I still have fun watching it don't get me wrong like there's um there was loads of moments in it where I was like, Jesus Christ, that is unbelievable. Like, I mean, as you say, like Robert, Rodri- Robert Ro- Rodriguez, God, um, has delivered some of the best action we've seen in like Bubble Book of and in Mando. Like, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned before, but like, obviously, he's done a few episodes in this one. Then, but his episode, I think he did episode three, wasn't it? Which is, I think, the one that most people got a bit disappointed about. <clears throat> I think, yeah. obviously, if we talked about that, you know, his direction in the Mando series with Boba Fett was unbelievable. Um, so it's a bit strange that there was a lot of criticism for his episode of episode three, but then in this episode, like again, his action with Boba Fett was unbelievable. Like he seems to be the only person who realizes that Boba Fett's got those knee blasters because he always whacks them out. The knee rockets. Episode, I love. In every episode, rockets. he's uh, he's directed. I'm pretty sure Boba Fett's whacked them out, and they are sick and it makes Boba Fett look like so cool and like original and he's fighting and it gives him an extra like little bit of nuance maybe about him you know that he's like got mysterious knee rockets and stuff and like no one else seems to have them and they make um, no sense at all but they're just amazing <laughs> yeah and it's like he comes out with like absolute gold like that um, which everyone no one else seems to seems to want to dive in on I don't know if it's like on set or like in the director's room he's like alright guys like these knee rockets are mine like no one else is allowed to use them. He's like, I've patented these for Boba Fett. <laughs> he just, um, he's just got like a flip board and he just like lifts up a page and it just says knee rockets in bold. It's just like, this is what we need. <laughs> and they're like, yes, yes, Bob, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I, it's hard to, to point fingers, as you say, like don't just blame Robert Rodriguez because as you know, I've just said like he's delivered some absolute Star Wars gold in regards to Boba Fett. Um, and, you know, I think the trouble is as well, like, I don't want to, well, I'll, I'll speculate because I've, I've literally got no idea. But, like, you know, we've had a hard few years when it comes to, like, filmings and, like, sets and stuff like that. You know, you know, COVID, you got, like, people, you know, being off. And it, the whole world's had a bit of a nightmare. So I can imagine trying to film something like The Book of Boba Fett has obviously had the challenges affecting it as well. And I, I don't want to assume if that's like yeah. affected any any anything mm-hmm. in like the directors' rooms or on sets, but you can only assume so. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. like, you know, it's you could say the same thing about like you know, lots of different stuff that's come out over the last like year <clears throat> has definitely been affected by by COVID. I mean, I can't remember what it is off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but there's like so many things where like you watch it and you can tell that they're filming it in a certain way to like keep the social distancing and stuff like that. I feel like the the one I can think of off the top of my head is Coronation Street because my mum watches that. And I remember walking past the living room and look at them filming it. And it's just like, why are these actors meant to be like living in the same house, but like they're on the other side of the room for the whole shot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were quite open about the fact that they that this was the first Star Wars property that they filmed during COVID. Um, Mando season two, they managed to do just before we went into lockdown. Um, but Book of Boba Fett, they had to film right in the middle of like the intense sort of COVID situation where, you know, the masks, I mean, if you see some of the behind the scenes stuff, like they're all masked up, they've got face shields on. I imagine there would have been really strict social distancing. Um, I mean, I know for a fact, because it's where I work as well, that shooting 
during COVID times is really, really difficult. And there's a lot of things that you can't do because your company doesn't want to have to shut down a production because everyone tests positive for COVID. So it, and that's at the moment where COVID's a little bit less problematic, but when they were filming sort of 2020 into 2021, I imagine that they would have had a lot of issues with Book of Boba Fett and they might not have been able to do some of the things that they would have wanted to do. That's just pure speculation, but I do think that it'll be interesting if they release like a gallery behind the scenes episode and maybe address some of the limitations that they had because of COVID. Cause I definitely think it, it would have existed. Um, I mean, one of the things that I noticed in the show was how few characters you saw their faces um, throughout the entire series. Like a lot of the, a lot of the characters are either sort of masked, helmeted, um, or they're aliens, you know, so their face are covered by prosthetics. And I was sort of looking at it and thinking, is this like a COVID thing where like they were like trying to limit the amount of people who wouldn't have to like have their faces covered on set? That could just be me thinking a bit way too over top. If you think of all the Tuscans, obviously Bobber was the only one with his face out. Obviously Bobber wears his helmet quite a bit. Mando obviously has his helmet on the whole time he's there. A lot of the characters in the show are aliens, you know, the the Pikes, the Aqualish, the Trandoshans, obviously you've got Croissant and the Wookiee. Um, you know, maybe I'm looking too deep into the whole thing, but this I just I think that yeah, there probably were some limitations put on them by by the pandemic. Um, and I think if Boba, Book of Boba Fett does get a season two, which I'm pretty confident it will, and I really hope it does, because I think I think there's a clear direction that John Favreau has for the character. And I think he's only been able to deliver so much on that direction in this first season. And I think a second season would, I think a second season of Book of Boba Fett would, would really go up a notch. And I think it would, it would really deliver on some of the things that fans are looking for. Cause I think this season was very much like answering the questions of why Boba Fett has changed, how he's changed, how being in the Sarlacc pit and everything has affected him, where he's been all this time. And I think now you've got the burden of all of that gone. I think a second season would have a lot of time to really show Boba Fett as, you know, a struggling leader, struggling ruler, but then also reflect back on, you know, some of these things from Boba's past that we didn't get to see in the series, or we only saw in glimpses like him back on Camino as a kid, or the time that he spent as a ruthless, merciless bounty hunter compared to this new sort of more respectful, honorable leader. So I think, I hope they do a season two. I mean, all Star Wars, the first season, always any Star Wars TV show, the bar absolutely none, in my opinion, the first season is always the weakest. I think Clone Wars, Rebels, Mando, all of them, like the the first season, I think is still good, but is the weakest. So I do think if there was another season of Book of Boba Fett, I think it would be stronger. Um, but I mean, my overall opinion for the series is that I actually really enjoyed it. I had so much fun waking up every Wednesday morning and watching it. Um, I love Tamara Morrison and uh, Ming-Na Wen as leads in this. I thought it was, you know, even though it felt a bit weird having the whole sort of Mando season 2.5 sort of tucked into it. I just found a lot of joy from having Mando back and seeing Mando and Grogu's journey continue. Um, So overall, is it the best season of a Star Wars show ever? No. Is it still a really enjoyable piece of Star Wars uh, television that I'm going to happily rewatch many times in the future? Absolutely, yes. So my sort of overall opinion of both the finale and the show is that I'm 
really happy with it. And I, I'm sure the second season will be better, but I'm, I'm not disappointed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm satisfied and happy. And I enjoyed the show warts and all. I'm very much looking forward to, um, to rewatching it just as like, I think I'll probably sit down that one weekend and, or one evening or something and, um, just like binge watch it in like one whole sitting. So, um, <clears throat> I can experience it like in, in one go. Cause obviously now I've watched it. I've had to wait like a week to watch every episode. I think, I think you always get an extra bit of appreciation for it when you sit down and watch it all in one go. Um, just cause you know, you, you live the story in like one sitting. I think that's always, it's always helpful to help get as much, much out the, much enjoyment out of the episode as episode as possible. But yeah, I completely agree. It's not, I, I feel completely whelmed by the, uh, by the season, as, as you say, not, not underwhelmed, not overwhelmed, uh, completely whelmed. Uh, and I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been good. It's been good to see Boba Fett back. I mean, you know, there's many a fanboy out there that fought, fell in love with the character from 10 minutes of him standing around doing nothing. So it's nice to see uh, a full seven episode season. Well, um, we'll say six episode season of Boba Fett because he's not actually in episode four, five. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. It's nice to see it was, it was nice to see, you know, the, the answers we got of him getting out of the Sarlacc pit, which I still think was like really cool. And that's exactly how I wanted him to get out of the Sarlacc pit, you know, with a bit of bit of wits, a bit of tech and just, you know, sheer determination. None of that crap from Legends where like some psychic links were going on about, like, what's that about? Um, so, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited. The stuff with the Tuscans was unbelievable in this in this season. I think that overall is my favourite part of the whole season is everything yeah, to do with the Tuscans. I agree. Yeah, like that was so cool. Like the the you know like him having to like relearn how to, or just like learning how to get on with the Tuscans and like refining himself and reinventing himself around their culture and like way of life. I thought it was really interesting. Like all the bits with like their culture and stuff was fascinating. And you know the fact that as we've said before, like John Favreau, definitely and the staff at Lucasfilm were like reinventing the Tuscans for us and they're not just like the mindless shouting screaming beasts we've seen in like previous Star Wars stuff uh, I think that's absolutely fascinating <clears throat> um, yeah the Mando 2.5 stuff <laughs> while strange I would agree was like I think personally it was my favourite episode of the entire series which is a strange thing to say and maybe slightly controversial and it makes no sense but it was a great episode and I loved it um, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's just fantastic Star Wars, and you know, Star Wars has never been like you watch any Star Wars show, no matter what it is, you know, like the original trilogy, the prequels, sequels, um, Clone Wars, Rebels, whatever, Resistance. If you've actually seen that, um, no Star Wars show I have. or film <laughs> is ever perfect, you know. Like they all have their stupid little quirks, which an actual film critic or a film fan would rip to shit. But we just love it because it's Star Wars. You know, like everyone bashes the sequels for certain things, but then they did the exact same thing in the prequels and, and like they got bashed as well. And I'm sure if you looked hard enough, you could find the exact same stupid stuff in the in the original trilogy. You know, Ewoks you just love Star Wars for what it is. It. Everyone hated the Ewoks. Exactly. I it, but just, they did. Like Star Wars is Star Wars and it's never going to be Oscar worthy or anything like that. But we just love it because it's Star Wars. It's stupid. It's silly. You know, people running around with our laser swords, um, you know, with silly jetpacks and all this sort of crap. And as long as it's entertaining, 
that's the main thing. A book of Boba Fett was entertaining with some emotional moments, some cool action moments, you know, some great character reveals of like Cad Bane, um, you know, some great character moments of all the characters. Ming-Na Wang as Fennec Shan was unbelievable and I look forward to seeing her and more stuff. You know, we've got a great female role model right there. Um, Tamara Morrison, fantastic performance as Boba Fett. You know, there's so much to love about it. It's such a, it's such a good series. So there you go. That's my... Yeah. That's my two cents. I think I and I think it's it's quite you can focus on the negatives of the show, and I think there is some, but I just I'm just choosing to focus on the stuff that I really enjoyed. And I know for a fact there's a lot of negatives that you have about the series as well. But I think in your in your great point just there, you focused on the stuff that you loved instead of the stuff that you didn't love. And I think if all Star Wars fans did that, there might be a little bit less <laughs> a little bit less discourse and toxicity going on if we just focused on the things we enjoyed. Instead of things we didn't. Um, but no, overall, I, I've enjoyed the show. I, I do still, if I'm going to rank things, I still think that Mando overall is a more consistent and better show. But my desire to see more, more Boba Fett stories and my enjoyment of seeing this particular Boba Fett story still remains. And um, I, I can't wait to see where they take Boba next because I think what they've done with the character is actually really really good and i think it's left him in a really interesting position and we'll dive into it when we you know really do dive into boba's character in this episode but i think this idea that he's trying to move away from this like merciless lonely killer that he spent his whole life being you know trying to live up to his father's name and he's sort of broken free of that and he's figured out that his strength is in the people that he surrounds himself in and you know respect and honor is a much better code of living than you know just getting paid and killing and i think it makes sense i don't think they've done it to disnify him like so many people have said i think it's a logical progression for a character and if you want boba fett to be a protagonist instead of an antagonist you have to move him away from being someone who just kills for money and makes no connection or attachment with any other character in the galaxy because there's only so much of a story you can tell about someone like that um so I think that they've done a really good job with Boba and I still think that sort of badass brutality still exists within him as we saw multiple times in the finale. Um, so um, my overall feelings are pretty positive and uh, excited to see where they, where they take it next. Um, should we, should we dive into the nitty gritty of the episode, John, talk about some of these exciting moments and then we can talk about some of the moments that we maybe didn't enjoy so much. Yeah, of course. Let's get into it. There's actually quite a few moments. Let's get stuck moments into it. Yeah. Let's go. Well, the, the episode was, of course, titled In the Name of Honour, which I thought was a, a, an interesting title. And definitely, I think it was a Star Wars title that was said during the episode as well. I'm pretty sure did Mando not say In the Name of Honour in, in the episode. So it was one of those titles. Um, as all, uh, as with a show written by John Favreau and then the third episode directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, so why don't you kick things off, John? Give us some of your, some of your, I think you've already mentioned a few, but some of your favourite sort of action moments in the episode, some of the moments that really stood out for you. And uh, then I'll throw a couple in the ring as well afterwards. Okay, let's go. Um, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, like the, the little team up with Mando and Bobo, I think was something that... <clears throat> Uh, was unbelievable in this episode and obviously as soon as we found out Mando was going to be in this series after episode 
for. You know, it was something that I'm sure everyone was was hoping for, and and seeing them, um, seeing them connect was was really cool. I liked their dialogue before they went out with with guns blazing as well. You know, Boba was like, oh, I, I assume you're heading off as well. Amanda's like, no, it's against the creed. And Boba's like. I can't remember his line. It's something like you buy into that banter crap or something. Yeah, yeah, you buy into that banter fodder. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's just, it's, that little conversation was such a, I don't know how to phrase it, it was like when Manda first arrived on the scene, like Manda season one, like obviously the only other Mandalorian we'd seen, or Mandalorian in quotation marks, um, or inverted commas, is, uh, was Boba Fett and Django Fett, really, for like casual fans. Um, so there was obviously a big confusion between the two of them about like why Mando's different to Boba Fett. And I think that conversation they had in this episode just perfectly sums up the differences that that casual, more casual fans will have between the two. So like Mando's like, it's really clear for everyone to see that Mando is Mando's Mando, the extreme cult loving version of Mandalorians. And then you've got Boba Fett who's just claims the title of Mandalorian, I guess, but he's not technically, and I think, you know, he kind of couldn't care less about it. Um, but loves his armor um so i thought that was a that was a cool little bit there yeah and um, it really binds the two of them together and as you said all the things that are different between them but the two things that are, the thing that's similar between them is like honor they're both very honorable characters boba fett has become honorable and mando has always been honorable so the fact that the episode is called in the name of honor it's like the two of them are willing to fight side by side and die side by side in the name of honor as literally as the episode is called and I think it's completely agree with you. I love that little conversation. Mm. Um, what other bits that I love? Uh, I think Pelly in this episode, again, I don't know how this character manages to do it, but she just steals steals a show whenever she's on the screen. I mean, you got you got Boba, not Boba, you got Mando being chased by some big droidica droid. And as soon as Pelly jumps on the scene, you're like, she's she's carrying it. And it's just, it was fantastic that little uh, that little bit when Mando's running off and she just shows up on a little scooter droid or whatever. Um, <laughs> fantastic. Oh, she's, just, she's so good brilliant. at just balancing yeah. the, com- the comedy in like a serious moment and stuff. Yeah. Just, I think, I think, I think she her character's great. That Star Wars sort of cheesiness that we've come to love. Um, I think my particular favorite moment of comedy is like when she comes racing around the corner and she's like Mando Mando and then he like takes one look because he's getting chased by the droid he's like turn around turn around he's like flapping his arms I just thought Pedro Pascal's delivery on that was so good the visual comedy and it was hilarious and her flinging the wrench at the the, the droid as well to get him to go faster yeah I completely completely agree Pelly stole the show as always yeah she's she's fantastic um I liked, oh, I mentioned again earlier, I liked when the Freetown people showed up. That was a nice little, because to be honest, when I when the episode started, I was like 100% sure that they'd show up just because uh, that's just how, you know, things are written. And it's like, oh, of course, the um, cavalry is going to show up and save the day, blah, blah, blah. But as the episode was going on, I was like, oh, they like, actually aren't coming. Like the, uh, the, the, the boys here are like screwed. Then no one's showing up to help them. And then they did. I was like, oh, it was like an actual genuine surprise. Um, so that was well written from from John Favreau and stuff to actually make me second guess myself because these days you know you, you understand the formula of these shows like everything positive kind of ends up happening like you would expect but but I was actually like, on the ropes for this one I wasn't I wasn't really sure so that was that was a nice little um, uh, bit of deception from John Favreau there for yeah. making me believe that they weren't going to show up uh, that's impressive 
Yeah. No, I love that moment as well. I thought it was a, it's like, I mean, as you said, like they delivered so heavily on that moment of Mando and Boba fighting side by side, coming out with the jetpacks, all of that, the knee darts, the the yoga pose, mid knee dart firing, all that stuff was awesome. And that moment where they're just getting battered by blaster bolts, trying to, you know, use best guard to shield themselves. And then the, the people of Freetown come in on their tank with that weak way bartender going on top, which I thought was unreal. Uh, I, I love that that guy got his moment to shine on top of the, the sort of gun turret. So yeah, I completely agree. That was a really fist pumping moment. And I think obviously it was a cool action moment, but I think thematically it speaks for one of like, in one of, I think there's a, a really core theme of Star Wars and if you reflect on Star Wars this is something that happens in Star Wars so many times is your protagonists you know fighting alone and then you know the the people of the galaxy come in to rescue them so it happens a lot in the original trilogy with like the rebellion coming in to um coming into the rescue and then obviously Rise of Skywalker is whatever you think of that film is one of the most obvious examples where like they about to basically all die and then you know the, the people of the galaxy appear to to rest to save the day and clone wars you have it when yoda and all the clones come in and attack the clones to rescue the jedi i think it's a quite a common shot in star wars of just like the cavalry arriving um, but i think thematically it says a lot about the people of the good people people of tatooine standing up to to tyranny and oppression and, and fighting back and i thought it was a, a really fist pumping moment i enjoyed it yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm trying to think of. I've mentioned a lot of the middle ground. Uh, I'm trying to think of more stuff in the beginning of the episode that I liked. I'm sure you'll mention the stuff afterwards. I liked the initial the, conversation between Cad and Boba. I thought that was a really yeah. cool scene when he stepped out and eight d eight. When Boba said, "Like no one, all our flanks are covered. No one can sneak up on us." And then eight d eight pops in and says, "Someone's here to see you." <laughs> I like of that. Course. Yeah, of course, Cad Bane get through that. That was that was funny. Um, I liked. I, I mean, this was a bit of a hype and then disappointment for myself, but I liked what they did with it. With uh, the X wing showing up, I was like, oh, I was like, Luke's here. I was like, I've got no idea what they're going to do with him in this episode because I was like, because I was thinking as soon as Luke sees Bulber, he's going to be like, you what, mate? Um, sort of thing. And uh, but. <laughs> But it was, that was a cool little scene. And obviously, seeing Grogu come back again, and obviously his decision was made. Um, he chose the he chose the little um, the the armor instead of the lightsaber. Uh, a poor choice. I'm not going to lie, Grogu. But we, we move. <laughs> um, nah, in my opinion, he made the right choice. He should just take them both. He should have just uh, should have looked the, out of the way and taken both. Yeah, <laughs> should have taken the armor and he could just, you know, the uh, oh, what's that picture? Like the meme, like a little girl like running away. That could have been like that like Grogu. Like he's just like running away with the lightsaber, trying to get back to the X wing to steal it. Uh, he could have, could have at least given it a go. Yeah, I well, I, I remember seeing that X wing come in, and like it was the only moment in the episode where I put my head in my hands and I was like, oh no. I was like, why have they done this? Because I thought they were like, they were bringing Luke Skywalker in and I was like, this is, this is Boba Fett's episode. He needs to save the day himself. Why is Luke coming? And then when like the hatch opened and it was just Grogu, I was like, thank you. I was like, they understand that this is Boba's episode. Thank you. I think Luke coming in would have just ruined the whole dynamic too much. It would have raised way more questions than it answered. And I think it was perfect, the idea that 
but he just he was too busy to come and deliver Grogu so he just said R2 fly him over there so I thought that worked really well I loved the decision that Grogu made I think him choosing Mando choosing his his father over his you know over this idea of being a Jedi I think is really um really exciting really uh, emotional but also quite symbolic in the sense of it's sort of what Luke did Luke chose his father over um over anything else so I do think Grogu sort of walking that fairly similar path um so I really like that bit disappointed that um that he he didn't rock up in the 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 best car <laughs> like on top of his, I, I kind of wanted him just to rock up, like fully blinged out in Beskar <laughs> instead of having it tucked underneath. But that no, it was, it was cool. And I like the little comedy lines with um, Pelly being like, are oh, you flew, flew here all on your own? And then the droids sort of like chirp away. Just like, yeah, I know the droid flew it. I thought that was a funny little line and um, making a comment about Grogu being an awful name. Uh, it worked well for me. And I think it was, it was a nice little, reintroduction of like setting up Grogu and Mando, Mando's um, re- being reunited in the episode. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I suppose one thing that I was literally only just clocked actually <clears throat> is obviously Grogu has been given the choice of like Jedi or Mando, um, you know, your father and Grogu has been a Jedi. Like he's been in the Jedi temple and he probably was like, or he has a flashback in the Mando episode of him going through order 66 so, you know, he's, to him, like to Luke, it's a choice of being a Jedi of me or your father. But to Grogu, it's a choice of the safety of your father with Mando. You know, like being, you knowing where you stand with Mando, like he's safe, he feels safe, he feels at home with Mando. Or choosing to be a Jedi. And obviously the history of him being a Jedi is not great. Like the last time trauma. he probably had a lightsaber it's in his hand trauma. was when he was getting <laughs> shot at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think, agree, mate. Completely I don't agree. think Luke really took into consideration to yeah, be honest absolutely uh, you know, if I was Grogu I'd be like nah screw that yeah I'm not going back <laughs> to that, that like, <laughs> did I not tell you about the time that clones tried to kill me <laughs> yeah and I mean I'm sure I don't know how much um, care and attention the clones gave Grogu obviously while he was in the temple but you know they're, I'm sure they're in and around the temple you know and I'm sure like every now and again you might have played like a little game with one of the clones or something you know a little game of fetch like game of catch and all that <laughs> and and then then they're, then they're shooting at him. So like he's probably like, you know what, bin this off. I don't want to do that again. I get yeah. back to Mando. And also, I was always of the opinion that he had to choose Mando because, like, canonically, Ben Solo was Luke's first student. So if Mando, if Grogu became Luke's first student, that would be a little bit like, oh, they're sort of starting to get a little bit wobbly with their cannon. They're getting a bit lazy. Like they've established Ben Solo was his first student, but yet he's got a secret other first student. So I think logically in my head it always had to happen. Um, but I think it worked really well. And I think it makes sense for Luke to sort of, you know, Grogu's made his decision. Luke's like, fair play. I'll go and I'll go and get ready with my get ready for my school to have a student who's ready to be taught, and then of course it ends up being Ben Solo. So I think it all works nicely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> it, it works out in canon. It works out yeah, personally for me. You know, it works out with what I think Grogu actually, you know, wanted and and stuff like that. And I think obviously we know that Mando season three is coming, and I think it would have been 
I don't want to say lackluster, but I think the whole dynamic would have shifted a bit too much with Mando season three if Grogu wasn't there. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think it's, and I think it is an interesting conversation to have. And I think there are definitely some negatives attached to it of like season two ended on that really emotional finale where Mando had to say goodbye to Grogu. And then season three is going to start with Grogu being back with Mando. I think it's going to be an interesting topic of conversation if if people decided not to watch book of boba fett but watch mando they're going to think wait grogu's back all of this story happened outside of mandalorian season three i think it's an interesting discussion to have but for me it was it was earned because mando was you know 100 meters away from grogu and decided not to go see him because he thought it was best for him but then Grogu himself made the decision to go back. And even though that happened in someone else's show, I do think it was an earned moment. And whether it ends up undercutting the Mando season two finale when we get into Mando season three, we'll see. But I mean, it was probably my favourite moment of the episode was when Mando was riding on the back of a chariot and then Pelly just pulls up the little blanket and then Grogu's there and he leaps at him and gives him a hug. And oh, it's just, just so emotional and cute. Yeah, and then obviously the literal final scene of the show, I think it's the final scene, of Mando and Grogu in there and his little Naboo Starfighter is so good. Mando and Grogu's like tapping the glass. I was like, what on earth does he want? I was like, there's no way they're both fit in that front cockpit. I was like, you might want to cuddle, but he's not getting it. I was like, what on earth does he want? And then as soon as man, the camera shot to like the button, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that's yeah. what And to be honest, like, do you know what? I, I can understand some people like the, the criticisms about Mando and Grogu sort of overshadowing Boba Fett's story. But I think we just have to accept that Mando and Grogu, they are the main characters of this era of Star Wars. Like they are the protagonists. Like obviously in the original trilogy, it's Luke. In the prequels, it's Anakin. In the sequels, it's Rey. And in this Mandoverse, this era of like five years after Return of the Jedi, the protagonist of this era is the Dinjar and the Mandalorian and Grogu. They are the face of Star Wars at the moment. And even though Book of Boba Fett was about Boba Fett and we learned a lot more about his character, I think it was really just a chapter of that story so that when Boba Fett feeds into their story in the future, we now know why Boba Fett is kind of a good guy now and not a bad guy. But really, they are the main characters. So for the series to end on the two of them reunited that same lovable dynamic between the two of them jetting off into hyperspace. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because like they are the face of Star Wars right now and everyone loves Mando and Grogu. And even though the book of Boba Fett was about Boba Fett, really Boba Fett is just another piece in their story because they are the center of this era of Star Wars. So I think I think I've come to peace with that, and I think people will probably slowly come to peace with it more and more when they realise that the more the, the further on this era of storytelling goes, the more it's going to be very obvious that it's about Mando and Grogu. Yeah, one hundred percent. They are they're the <clears throat> they're the ones that we're like following around the galaxy, and then the stories are like intertwined with them or like revolving around them, sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah, it's great. It's great to see the marina. And stuff, so. I hope what they're doing, and I pray what they're doing, is that this this storyline is going to go on for many years. 
eventually I imagine we'll probably get the very sad and painful death of, of Din Djarin at some point because I, I I feel like he's probably going to be alive for about 10 years and then die and then something happens to Grogu he vanishes and then we get some post episode nine stories where Ray and Grogu meet and then Grogu can impart his great wisdom onto Ray or vice versa. I think that would, that's hopefully where they're taking this in the future that Grogu is just going to be, because he can live for 900 years. So, you know, Grogu can be the center of Star Wars to- storytelling for, you know, many, many eras and trilogies and stories to go. And I hope they do that because, I mean, who doesn't love Grogu at this point? Yeah, 100%. That's actually a good shout. I didn't even think of that. The, man, the man's going to be carrying Star Wars for decades. Of course he is, mate. He, the merchandising money alone is enough reason for him to carry Star Wars for years. <laughs> um, yeah, 100%. And uh, whilst we're still on the topic of Grogu, I kind of wanted to talk about a couple of a couple of Grogu moments in the episode. Obviously, him being reunited with Mando was amazing. So, I mean, I, it, I teared up, I'll be honest, when he did the little leap and he was like, yeah, I miss you too, buddy, all of that stuff. But the moment that really hit me was him stepping out in front of the rancor <laughs> like obviously he did it earlier on in the episode where he stepped out in front of the droidica thing um but when he stepped out in front of the rancor and i was like wait a minute what is gonna happen right now and then he like puts the rancor to sleep and then goes and cuddles up next to it <laughs> was one of the most epic and cute things i've ever seen in star wars i loved it so much because not only was it just adorable to see but i think shows how the little bit of time that Grogu has spent with Luke in sort of reconnecting himself to the Force has clearly showed that going forward in these stories, Grogu is going to be a Force user, but he's just not going to be a Jedi. And I think that's a quite an important distinguish, distinguishment that this that this episode makes. And just that he is clearly still very powerful and he's good. He's a good-hearted character. You know, he sees that the Rancor is just is not just a mindless beast on the loose. He is a misunderstood creature, and he needs to just be calmed down. And and he, and Grogu forms a connection with him, and then goes and snuggles up with him afterwards. And that was that was one of my favorite moments of the episode. The the music, everything, but just that shot of like this tiny little green thing wandering out into the middle of the street to face down. Godzilla, basically, it's just so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great scene. It's, it's funny and it's cute, and yeah, it just is, is showing us that you know Grogu is going to be a Force user without necessarily being a Jedi, which is is cool. It's something you know we haven't really seen a lot of in Star Wars. Before. <clears throat> the only example I can think of off the top of my head, well, I could be wrong. It's like probably like Kanan and Ahsoka, but then they're still technically Jedi's, but they just aren't. Um, but yeah, Grogu is going to be his own own force user, but he's still got his good heart. I was really worried when he was like wandering out after obviously because Mando's lying on the floor behind him that he'd get like angry and like maybe like electrocute <laughs> electrocute the uh, rancor or something like, like that. hands. Like yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, oh no, I was like, what's Grogu gonna do? Could you, could you imagine? If <laughs> yeah, just it comes out Palpatine hands onto the rancor. Yeah, well, and what's it? What's Palpatine shouting in episode three when he's like electrocuting Mace? Like, unlimited power! <laughs> Grogu doing that. That would have been, oh, oh, been awful, but I would have found it hilarious as well. Oh, God. But I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad they went with, as you say, like 
grow your understanding that he is a he is a, a beast that just needed calming down and then <laughs> had a nice little rest next to him was, was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Right. Should we should we really uh, dig our teeth into some Boba Fett? some Boba Fett greatness in this episode, or perhaps for some people, maybe not Boba Fett greatness, but some Boba Fett character overall. Yeah, of course. I think, um, I'll take it away. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of my, obviously this episode was the finale of like the, the modern day storyline that was being told throughout the season of Boba Fett trying to rule Tatooine with respect, trying to change the way that the, the crime family essentially of Tatooine rules um, but the main problem he has is the Pikes have sort of claimed the territory as part of their spice trade and they're starting to um, deal some some serious damage and cause some problems for Boba Fett and this is that climactic episode of him going to war with the Pikes um, and I think mostly sort of seven and a half eight out of ten lives up to that sort of ex- that that hype of war maybe it could have been a bit bigger but tv budget um i thought it was a pretty good battle you know of lots of different things going on um my personal favorite moment was boba fett riding a rancor i will never get tired of watching boba fett riding a rancor ever again i could happily sit and watch him riding a rancor for hours and hours on end i loved it i thought it was really cool and it was one of my favorite moments of the episode if not my favorite part of the episode was just seeing the Rancor coming in and then that shot of like Boba on the back of the Rancor. I loved it. Um, but I, th- I think there was obviously a lot of cool stuff that happened. You know, we had the the people of Freetown fighting alongside the city folk, the mods. I thought that was quite cool. Says a lot about the symbiosis of the people of Tatooine coming together from their different walks of life. thought that was quite interesting. But I think the main thing that personally worked really well for me and I know didn't work for some people and I'm not actually sure what your opinion on this is, John, so I'll throw it over to you um, to ask what your opinion is, is how Boba Fett and Cad Bane's encounter tied up the flashbacks with the modern day. And for, like, so we meet Cad Bane at the beginning of the episode talking to the Pikes and he says, I'm going to lay a trap for Boba. I know how to draw him out, I think is what he said. Um, and it cuts to the title and then Boba Fett comes out to see Cad Bane and Cad Bane really tries to get under his skin with the the revelation that it was the Pikes who killed the Tuscans and pinned it on the speed bikers instead of the speed bikers killing the Tuscans. So after Boba Fett thought that he got revenge on the people who, who wronged his family, he actually didn't. And it was the Pikes all along. I think a lot of people saw that coming. It wasn't exactly a big plot twist, but more just confirmation on a theory that everyone had. Um, but I liked that initial interaction between the two of them because Boba was ready to go back to being his old self. He, you know, he was like, I can take him. And Fennec Shand, funnily enough, the, the person who spent the whole series being like, shall we kill him? Shall we kill him? Shall we kill him? Was like, Boba, calm down. You're getting too emotional. Let's fight him on your terms, not his terms. I thought that was good from Fennec Shand. I, th- I think that clearly she's actually been learning from Boba as much as Boba's been learning from her. And I think the two of them have a, a good way of like evening each other out in their sort of um, 
in some of the ways they can go rogue. So I thought that was nice. But the final encounter, the standoff between Boba Fett and Cad Bane, I know it's controversial because I know some people are annoyed that Cad Bane is dead, annoyed that the fight was over quite quickly and felt that it didn't live up to the years and years and years of expectation of the two of them fighting me personally. I really liked it for multiple reasons. The first reason is, yes, Cad Bane is dead, but Cad Bane has died five years after Return of the Jedi. The last time we saw him was chronologically was in the Bad Batch, which is just after Revenge of the Sith. That means there's so many years of, you know, 30 years of story that we can still tell with Cad Bane. And I think we can still tell the story of them having their fight from that unused um, Clone Wars story of the two of them dueling. Obviously in that story, Cad Bane does die but i think they could just retell that story of like Boba Fett getting the bullet the bullet hole in his head but like not being campaign and they can have many fights throughout canon if they want to do that story so that doesn't bother me i think the reason why i really like the fight is because it for me really solidified the journey that Boba Fett had gone on here you've got someone in campaign who is only out for himself. He has never changed in the, all his years as a bounty hunter. He's ruthless. He's a murderer. He looks out for himself. He he does what he has to do to get paid, and that's all he cares about. And he, when Boba Fett was younger, tried to teach Boba Fett that that is the way to live. And now Boba Fett, and he remembers Boba Fett, you know, that as just this merciless killer who worked for the Empire, that's what he says to Cobb Vanth last episode, and he's trying to convince Boba that Boba is the same person he's always been. And they have this fight. They have the standoff and Boba Fett has got his helmet on. He's using his, his weapon, his classic weapon, his blaster, and he loses. And then um, they sort of have that cool little like flamethrower roll campaign drops him again. And he's essentially lost the fight because he tried to beat campaign as Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, and then his helmet comes off. You see his face, and then he uses his gaffy stick, the symbol of the weapon, the, 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 the weapon of being the symbol of the time that he spent with the Tuscans, the symbol of this family that he found that changed his whole perspective on, you know, connection and um, honor and respect. And that is the way that he beats Cad Bane. And I think the symbolism of him proving that he's changed, proving that he is stronger. You know, that episode in that line from episode four of like the time with his, the t- my time with the Tuscans made me strong really um, comes full circle in this episode because it's that strength he got from his family, from the Tuscans that made him strong enough to beat Cad Bane, a character who is never willing to change. And he has that line of like one final lesson for you, Boba. Um, always look out for yourself anything else is weakness and Bob approving with his gaffy stick that actually looking out for yourself is weakness and what strength is is looking out for others and others looking out for you so I know that was a really long-winded you know thematic breakdown of that scene but me personally I really love that scene I can understand why people don't like it completely understand why people don't like it I'm not 100% sure where John sits on it so I'll, I'll let him say his thoughts on it now but for me it really works because it tied up the flashback story of the Tuscans with the modern day stuff and it finally gives us an answer of who is Boba Fett right now in the present moment and I think it did that really really well I mean I agree with everything you said about like um, <clears throat> it tying up Boba's character 
and like the actual like character development from the fight. Prove all that because I think your it is a hundred percent true. Like it shows, you know, Boba Fett lost being Boba Fett and won being Tuscan Boba Fett. I suppose. Um, but as you've just said, I like the fight. I wish it was slightly longer. Is like my only criticism from it, and they could have taken the fifteen hundred hours that the uh, people of Freetown spent running through the streets of Tatooine away from the droid and uh, added an extra two two minutes for the fight, maybe. You know, I was like, maybe you could have added in some some like Jango Fett course sort of scenes from like Attack of the Clones, you know, when like he's fighting Obi-Wan like, on the jetpacks, like shooting down at Cad Bane, something like that. Or, you know, like, you know, they've both got jetpacks or Boba Fett, Jango. Well, Cad Bane's got his little um, rocket, rocket, ankle boots or something like that you know they could have i reckon they could have jazzed it up slightly better especially after the um the fight literally 10 minutes beforehand or whatever with mando and bobba where bobba really went to town with like as we've discussed his, his knee rockets um stuff like that i think they could have they could have jazzed it up slightly more and given us a bit more to um a bit more to sink our teeth into that fight i guess um but you know we move and it was a good fight. Um, and it, Sully's it, not happy. Gave, <laughs> Sully's not happy. He disagrees with everything I've said. He's, he's, thinking, like, he's, he's like, like, John, you're wrong. This is the best fight ever. <laughs> it is. He, he, was, uh, he was a big fan of that when I watched it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then as you said about Cad Bane dying, I mean, I feel like that was just destined to happen. Like they couldn't have gone, they're obviously going to go toe to toe in this episode. And they couldn't have gone toe to toe and Boba Fett dying. So Cad Bane had to die. Uh, I was just inevitable. And if you don't like that, then come on, get a grip. Because as you said, Dan, you've got like 30 years of, of storytelling to still come from Cad Bane. And he's an old man by this point. Like, he's old. Like, he's not got much left in him to do, is it? Like, old age is going to take him in a minute. You might as well let him go out. It was a bit of action. Yeah. And it was it was George Lucas's intention that it was always going to be Boba who beat, who was the one to kill Cad Bane. And they just mm. shifted, timeline-wise shifted when that happened. But I think, I also think um, the fact that Boba Fett killed Cad Bane still shows that Boba Fett has not completely changed. There is still that part of him, that anger in him, that brutality in him that still, he could have actually spared Cad Bane if he wanted to, but he chose to kill him. And um, I think that proves that even though Boba is this more honourable, more respectful, more connected character, I still think that brutality from his, you know, his childhood, his his troubled upbringing still exists in him, and I think that's leaves something good for his character to constantly battle with in you know more seasons of the show or more you know appearances in Mando and stuff like that. Yeah, hundred percent. It was it was nice that Boba you know, finished finished him off. Um, because uh, uh, it needed to happen, as you say, that's what George Lucas planned originally. Um, back in that unused Clone, Clone Wars, Clone Wars arc. and as you say, we can still see that. Um, you I know, think we will. I think we'll see it in the there's, season there's, 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 yeah, there's so much time between, you know, like when we last see characters such as Cat Bane and stuff, into like now, or like even from we last saw, I was going to say Bobber, or when we first saw Bobber in A New Hope, and when we last saw him. Like the prequels, well, I can't remember all that time jumpers, but you know what I mean. There's like loads of time for all these characters to get like another like decades worth of material out of them. So mm-hmm. it's not and the, we, end of the world, yeah. And we don't know where Cad Bane was for the thirty years in between 
his last appearance in the Bad Batch and his appearance in Book of Boba Fett, you know, so he could pop up in any show which is set between the two of them just to learn what he's up to, where he's been. So I think there's still plenty of campaign storytelling potential. Um, we just got to be patient for it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing with Star Wars these days is like, because it spans such a vast amount of time, you can plug in a story anywhere. And I think I've definitely said it before on the podcast. You can tell any sort of story you wanted, like drawn or a story you wanted within Star Wars. So like, there's no reason why you can, we can't have at some point in the timeline, Star Wars timeline, just like a full Cad Bane, like cowboy film or TV show or something where it's like literally just like Wild West, Cad Bane, Star Wars, bosh, there you go. Yeah. And yeah, I think what I liked about this is like the dialogue they had between each other definitely links, suggests that they've got a history together. They're not talking as if they're people who don't know each other. They're talking as if they know each other, as if Cad Bane knows exactly who Bobber is and Bobber's trying to prove that he's not who Cad Bane thinks he is. So, you know, we only know a little bit of that history together. Is there more story to be told of their history together? I think the doors are definitely open. But to be honest, I, I can ex- I accept like your criticism of the fight being that it could have been a little bit longer. I actually probably agree. I think I, I so much, I so enjoyed what they did character wise that I can allow the fact that the action was a little bit lackluster. So I actually do completely agree that they could have extended the fight a little bit longer. And I think what they've, really recently with Mando and Book of Boba Fett been leaning into the Western genre heavily to like tell their stories. And in Westerns, fights don't, you know, you don't really get fisticuffs in fights. You don't really get like huge long fights, like fights are quick and it's all about, you know, the speed of the draw. And it's about what's going on between the characters more than like physicality. And they are really leaning into that thematically in Star Wars at the moment. You know, they did it heavily with Mando, but particularly with Book of Boba Fett, you know, the Cobb Vamp, Cad Bane shootout, and then this one. And whilst I think it's really cool and it works really well, I do think at times they maybe lean into it a little bit too much and it sometimes might take away from some of that sort of like goofy Star Wars action that people do really enjoy. So even though my overall opinion is that I love the Cad Bane Boba Fett showdown, I completely accept criticism and I do sort of, in the back of my head, agree that maybe the two of them sort of like jet packing up into the air and have it swinging a few punches in the air before coming back down to the ground and finishing the job might have worked a bit better. But overall, I'm happy with how it went because of what it said for Boba Fett's character and what it said for this for me was the payoff of the flashbacks. And I think it, it worked really well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the character development you get just from this fight is definitely worth the payoff or like the exchange of like action time. Um, and yeah, I, I can see the, the, the Western style going for, as you say, like, you know, all the Westerns it is just quicker the draw shooting, which, you know, you can quite easily see Cad Bane would have won if it wasn't for the fact that Boba has the, uh, the, um, the, the best guy armor on, <clears throat> which I don't know what it, but like, <laughs> it just makes you laugh. Like, Mando's Beskar armor, obviously he has more of it, but just seems to cover him his like chest a lot more than Bobber's does. Like Bobber's just seems to be like a little like almost like a t- part of a two-piece when it's on his chest. Like you're thinking he's got all this exposed like under his like near his armpits and stuff, and like 
around his sides. Mando seems to be a lot more protected than Bobber is in his, in his best car. And I think poor Bob, he's probably looking at Mando being like, oh, I need to get me some, I need to get me some <laughs> extra Bascar. Especially with the thigh pads as well. He's probably like, oh, ah, fuck, I need some of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bobber really needs an upgrade, doesn't he? Um, yeah, but I think, I mean, I like the line when, uh, when um, Cabane said, oh, I'm still faster than you. And then Bob was like, yes, maybe, but I've got armour. And obviously, you know, you can read that as him saying, literally, I have armour. Or you can read that as saying, like, my armour is my people. You know, the people of Tatooine, they're my people. Fennec, Black Chrysanthemum, you know, they're my squad, my team, the Tuscans. You know, they are my armour. Maybe that's reading too deep into it, but that's sort of how I read it of, like, you know... Boba Fett has formed a shield around himself with the people that he chooses to to have on his team, and Cad Bane has no one. Um, he doesn't even have Toto anymore. I mean, what's happened to little Toto? He's gone. So Cad Bane literally has no one, um, and that that makes him weak. So I, I think it all works thematically. Fits into George Lucas's grand idea for Star Wars that the idea of being connected to the to the the, the greater galaxy the the wider community is is more important than than running alone yeah what what has happened to toto he was a I, i'm going yeah, to no idea just, mate we've got no idea I'm going to assume it's just cuz uh, he works well in clone wars and bad batch but might have come off a bit silly yeah show, <laughs> might be a bit too goofy for live action <laughs> yeah like maybe, he's still great we maybe the him. maybe the reason that campaigns like Boba Fett is a merciless killer is because they had a they, they squared off about 10 years ago and Boba just killed Toto in like cold blood <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably too far I could, uh, I'd enjoy that that being yeah. the, uh, the reason why yeah <laughs> are there any any particular I know there are because We've briefly spoke about this previously. Is there anything in this episode that sort of you struggled with that you weren't so much of a fan of? I think, you know, we've, we've clearly lent in some of the stuff that we enjoyed about the episode, but pacing was one of the things you brought up. But was what was what was the stuff that didn't quite land for you in this episode? Because for me, there wasn't a huge amount, but there definitely was some stuff that I've sort of mentioned. But for you, was there anything in particular that you felt didn't work so well or, you know, would have preferred done differently? Um, I can't remember what I've mentioned before. Off the top of my head, thinking now that when you said that, the first thing that comes to mind is the <laughs> is the rancor climbing the the tower at the end, like from the bloody King Kong. The King Kong. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god! And I was like, I was expecting an X-wing to come flying into the shot or something. Like I expected um those two like Republic guards to come come flying in and, and shoot shoot down the Rancor um, for then Mando to be standing over it and being like, it was not man but beauty that killed the beast. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Um, so that, that cracked me up. But I think, oh, I don't know on previous episodes, like the one that Bryce Dallas Howard uh, directed, I know one of my like favourite things about the episode was like all her little references to like other films and like Easter egg and stuff. But this just didn't seem to work in that same sort of, same sort of like, um, I don't know. Just, I feel like it was just too on the nose, maybe. Of because yeah, I think the ones she yeah, did were like that. a bit. I think it was quite. They, on the nose. <laughs> yeah, the ones she did were like subtle. You know, had the 
you had the droid grabbing Pelly and like dragging her away, like in Jurassic Park. I can't remember what the other ones were. That's just so I can remember. But they were like subtle, and you only notice them if you'd like maybe watched Jurassic Park recently or like looked them up or something. But yeah, the King Kong was just two on the nose, and I, was, <laughs> oh, it just yeah, <laughs> it just cracked me up. Yeah, no, um, it's a bit, yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I did love the moment after though when Mando like. Was trying to get up and sort of shoot and then flew up and tried to ride it and then failed and then the Rancor like bit down on his helmet and couldn't break through because his helmet's too tough. I like that bit. But yeah, the King Kong thing was maybe a maybe a reference too far. <laughs> yeah, I did like the bit after the man though. And then the only other thing I can think of that I didn't like in this episode was when all the different syndicates in the city like turned on Boba's people. Um, which as like a concept I thought was like a good idea and obviously I put Bob in a bit of a situation so that was fine the bit I didn't like was why only one out of the three factions like criminal factions like these are like you know like the mafia of that town why only one of them had guns (laughs) and the other two just like were running around with swords and I was like we're in Star Wars and this is a criminal underworld and they're trying to take on one like a Wookiee with a bunch of swords and then the other two Gamorian guards got taken on again with swords and it was just the mods that seemed to get shot at <laughs> I was like why is no one else you know you know you're turning on these people like it's pre-planned you've gone alright when they come to our area of town we're going to kill them and not one person in these two factions what have been the Chandoshans and the I can't remember what the other ones are called um, the Aqualish and the Clatterinians the Aqual- yeah we're like Maybe we should bring some blasters along. Not one person. <laughs> That's how we're wearing these. We've got their swords on our hips. They'll, they'll do. Yeah. To be honest, I I thought this was probably the goofiest part of the episode in terms of goofy to the point of I'm not sure it worked because it sort of felt like they were trying to do like a red wedding moment where like everyone turns, you know, everyone like pulls out the blades and like turns, but it felt a little bit like. Understaffed, like he was just like the two Gamorian guards are watching the entire airbase. <laughs> Poor Black Crescenton is on his own watching the entire district, like the financial district with all the Trandoshans. And then obviously the mods have got like a decent sized crew against the Aqualition, just because they're the ones with the big crew, they're the ones who like the, the blasters get pulled. I like the moment when Fennec Shan sort of came in and like rescued the mods and like the little sort of like manners line. I like that bit. Um, so I like that cool little bit, but yeah, I do think that the, the factions turning could have been done better. Like the Gamorians getting pushed off the edge of the cliff. was uh, I, It was sad, but then at the same time, I didn't quite feel the emotion I wanted to feel because it did feel a little bit too goofy. Um, but the, the standout moment for me was <laughs> Chris Anton with all the Trandoshans just leaping on him and him just like lobbing them from side to side and getting slashed apart. I genuinely did feel really worried about Chris Anton there. And then the moment when he comes around the corner a little bit later in the episode, like flinging pikes from left to right and doing that bit when he like beats one out the side and like shoots in midair. Chris Anton is an absolute beast. And uh, I loved his inclusion in the episode and the bit when Boba says, like, I I owe you a... (laughs) go in the back to tag I thought it was a really cool line I like that yeah that's what I'm saying though it's like 
this is what I just couldn't, I can't quite put my finger on like where I view this episode because you have like, yeah, there's great moments in those scenes, but then that just like the actual like carrying plots or like the carrying bits of those scenes are just like, oh, just like, why, why have you done it like that? You yeah. know, like you could have split the mods up between like Black Crescent and the Gamorrean. So there's a few more people in each bit. So you got a bit more of a shootout maybe in each section, you know, something like that. I just, cause it was just like, why? <laughs> Why have you done it like that? Yeah, and then I do think there was massive some droids as well. Interesting choices. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, yeah, there were some interesting choices, um, and I think a lot of it for me was just kind of fun and goofy, and I enjoyed it. Some bits I was a bit like on the rewatch. I was a bit like, okay, that doesn't quite work that well. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately I, I sort of looked looked past it and, and found some enjoyment in it. I think that the big droid tank things, I think there were moments that they really worked. Like when Bobber and Mando were like having at it and like dodging around the side of the force field and like Mando tried to get the dark saber out and that really worked. But then then when it was and when it was chasing Mando and and uh fighting Grogu and the, the Rancor pulling it apart and Bob saying do it and like ripping up that stuff worked for me but like when the Freetown folk and the mods were sort of just like running down the street getting shot at and like there were a couple pikes scattered about and there was a lot of just standing around and shooting that bit didn't work so well it fell a bit flat for me the action um I imagine you feel the same yeah it was just a lot of yeah, some of those scenes are just lost standing around and just spinning. And do you, you see the oh. spin that everyone was going on about on Twitter? The mod spin. To be honest, uh, I found it funny because I think it fit right in with Star Wars. Star Wars has a long history of pointless spins, and I think this was just another pointless spin in the history of Star Wars pointless spins. <laughs> Like there was like Anakin yeah. in, Fan- in Phantom Menace, where he literally makes the line of like, what does he say? Something about spinning, and he's just like pointlessly spinning. There's the during the Obi Wan and Anakin fight. There's like loads of pointless spins. <laughs> the the uh, Darth Vader versus um, old Ben on the Death Star bench does a really weird spin in the middle of the fight. <laughs> yeah. Just, Loads of great pointless um, spins. There's the one in uh, Revenge of the Sith during the Mace Windu Palpatine fight where Samuel Jackson just like did a random (laughs) spin (laughs) on the middle of the hallway. It's just George Lucas just loved spins. So if anything, (laughs) Robert Rodriguez is just honouring that great Star Wars tradition of spins that make no sense. I think it's just the, the TikToks on it just made it like 10 times worse. And it's just like the music they'll put on it or something. It's just awful. Yeah. I think it's funny. And I I like I like taking the mick out of spins in Star Wars, but I think you have to be fair. You can't just take the mick out of the the Disney spins. You have to acknowledge the, the original Lucas spins as well. If you're going to take the mick out of one of them, you've got to take the mick out of all of them because there's some pretty iconic bad spins in the original trilogy and the prequels as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100% I mean this is what I was saying earlier like it, it, if you could you know you break down any section of Star Wars any bit of multimedia for it and there's 
crap like that that just makes it hilarious but it's yeah. just Star Wars and you just gotta love it I saw a really funny tweet I can't remember who did it um, someone we follow on our Life of Vader's Castle and it was like it was like someone showing the gif of like the spin and being like oh Disney's ruined Star Wars and then someone like showed you know the bit in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and Obi-Wan are fighting and they're just like spinning their lightsabers round and round and round and they're not actually like hitting each other with it <laughs> It was oh, just, that, yeah. it was just that gif, and it was just like you really watched this and thought that, like, I can't remember what the line was, but it's basically like, come on, this has been going on for years. It's just Star Wars. It's fun. Yeah, I love people's justification of that as well. That cracks me up when it's like, how do they say this? Like, they know each other so well. They're like playing a chess in their mind, waiting for someone <laughs> to make a move, and it's like, no, they're just bloody oh, spinning their lightsabers. George was just, the, George was just there on set, like, oh, it'd be really cool if you just. And your lightsabers round like <laughs> helicopter wings. Yeah, so it was almost as bad as Dave Filoni's helicopter lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Star Wars. It's what we do. It's what we love. It's just weird. It's fun. But I do think that the spin in this episode was pretty stupid, but it can join the Hall of Fame of great, shitty, pointless Star Wars spins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's- it was, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> that poor fella. Yeah. I think the only thing, only other thing to talk about um, would sort of be the ending of the episode because I know this is something that fell flat for some people. Um, and it sort of worked for me and sort of fell flat. A bit of both. I think I like the scene of like Boba walking through the streets with like the weird sort of like <laughs> medieval version of his theme playing of like, him walking down the street and people giving him Melu runs and like bowing to Lord Fett. Like I like that because him standing and fighting with the people of Tatooine has made them respect him. I mean, Jabba would have never fought alongside the people that he ruled over, but Bob is different. And I really liked the line of, you know, maybe ruling isn't for us. You know, after everything they've been through, Boba Fett being like, I'm not, not sure that ruling's for us. And Fennec's line of saying, if not us, who? And I think some people... I read I think there's different ways you can read that line. Some people read it as like, oh, is that just setting up that they're gonna let someone else rule after everything? I didn't see it like that. I sort of saw it as Fennec saying, Yeah, maybe this life isn't for us, but if we don't do it, someone worse will. And that sort of like stepping up to the responsibility, like stepping up to the to the position. And I think it rings quite true of like like Leia in the in the original trilogy and in the sequels as well of like she never let herself you know she she struggled to like have a relationship with Han and she never let herself do anything because she always had to step up to this responsibility of being like a rebellion leader military leader um a lot of that rings true with like Luke Skywalker with um the Jedi and the prequels I think this idea of like stepping up to the role that you have to do because if you don't do it, someone else will do it worse. Um, so I, I quite like that line from Fennec. And I thought of, to me, that suggested that Fennec and Boba, it might not be the, they might not be built to be rulers or leaders, but they're going to do it anyway. Because if they don't, someone like the Pikes will just come in or someone like the Twins or Jabba will just come in. And I, I quite like the goofy little them sort of, you know, sitting around, you know, Chris Anthony in the Maloo run and them being like, oh, you're not going to share. Like, it was funny Star Wars goofiness. Um, and then the post credit scene, I enjoyed the scene. I liked seeing the confirmation that it was 
Kovvamp in the back to tank that he's still alive, thank goodness, because he's a great character. It'll be great to see him back. And that Thundercat, the modder, is like fixing him up. I liked all of that. However, I can understand the disappointment because it wasn't like a a huge reveal of a post-credit scene. And in the same way that the Mando season two post-credit scene was like, Boba storms into Jabba's palace, kills Bib Fortuna and takes the throne. Book of Boba Fett coming soon or whatever. Like it was a big reveal. It was a big, exciting moment. Whereas this was a little bit more like confirming something that we already kind of knew. So I can understand why that sort of fell flat for people. Um, But ultimately I like where this series wraps up that, you know, Boba is now, He's the daimyo of Tatooine, essentially, and the people respect him and look up to him because of the way that he fought on his rancor. You know, people watching this guy taking on this syndicate, taking on these droids, taking on this bounty hunter and doing it all for them as opposed for himself. So I like where it wraps up. Um, But I do think it doesn't quite have that same real punch that the Mando season two finale had with obviously the Luke Skywalker climax and then the Book of Boba Fett teaser scene at the end. So I can understand the comparisons there, but ultimately I think it was, it worked quite well. I wouldn't say it fell flat for me, but it didn't, didn't leave me like jaw on the floor sort of thing. Yeah. I think that's a fair analysis. <clears throat> I felt the same. Like it wasn't, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to compare uh, I think it'll be hard to compare any season finale to Mando season two finale because that was just like that will be remembered for like years to come because that was just unbelievable. Like Luke Skywalker back in Star Wars since, well, like a young Luke Skywalker back in Star Wars since like the original trilogy. Wow, mad! You can't, you can't, um, <clears throat> you can't live up to that again. I don't think. I think they've they've shot themselves in the foot with that one. I think uh, you know it was unbelievable at the time, but you'll never beat it, <laughs> and everything will be compared to it since. But I think I think the season was the finale was was good. I like I like where they're at with Boba and um, Fennec. I completely agree with what you you said about like their dialogue and what it means for them going forward. Um, to be honest, the thing that's got me most excited about like Boba season two and like where they're going in the future is actually just more Fennec Shand. I know obviously it's the Book of Boba Fett, and I was gassed to see Boba Fett and stuff. Um, but that's that's a guarantee, I suppose, in Boba season two. I just I want to see more Fennec. Yeah. She's become like one of my like favorite characters. She's unbelievable. Yeah, Mindy Harwell does such a great job. I kind of feel like this final episode did her dirty a little bit. Like she just disappeared for forty five minutes in the episode. Mm. Um, like I, I did yeah. love, I loved the scene of her killing off all the the cowardly criminal leaders and like hanging the mayor from oh, the top of the yeah. roof. Like that was awesome. It was very much like. Um, yeah, her scurrying across the roof and then appearing behind. I loved it. It was so cool. And it was like the whole season, Boba Fett's like, oh yeah, this is master assassin Fennec Shand. And then we finally got to see her being an assassin, which was really cool. Oh. But I do feel like I just want to see more of Fennec because she's, as you said, she's such a good character. Ming-Na Wen plays her so well. She's such like an interesting, like anti-hero character. Like she's still a brutal assassin, but there's a, there's a, a goodness in her that, isn't quite as um, spelled out as Boba because Boba's had this like big transformative journey with the Tuscans. She's just sort of not that bad, but kind of a bit bad. I, yeah. I just want to see more of her. I want to see more of her in the past. Hopefully Bad Batch includes her more. I would love to see the book of Fennec Shand. I'd love to see her get in her own solo series or a book or a comic or something. Cause yeah, she's great. 
Yeah, I actually forgot about that scene. God, that scene was cold. <clears throat> I actually chose to hang the mayor. I was like, I was like, Christ. Like, obviously, it's bad enough she's killed them all. But like, that was that was cold. She like hung him, and I was like, Here the next like, act as well. Yeah, his little feet wiggling. He's like, Christ alive! Like yeah. this woman is master Brutal. assassin. Yeah, I was, it's such a cool scene. Yeah, that was cold for Fennec. Love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been wrapping the the, the Fennec Shan Fortnite skin. <laughs> <laughs> Represent. Got to. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think um, my excitement for the future is. Obviously, seeing more Boba, seeing this new version of Boba, I think is really exciting. But I just want to see more Fennec Shand. I think um, not only is she a great character and Ming-Na Wen performs, like, plays her really well. I'm just like, it's great when you have an actor or an actress who has so much passion and excitement just for the fact that like they've got their character is you know, on TV and like just seeing Ming-Na Wen getting so excited on social media every week about like Fennec being in the show. Like it's just so wholesome. So um, I really look forward to hopefully her appearing in Mando season three and all over the place. And I hope she's a character that gets sprinkled into, into every Star Wars thing possible. Yeah, me too. She's, she's such a big, um, like Star Wars fan. Like, no, too fair. I think she loves it all. Like Star Wars, Marvel, all that sort of, Jazz, I think she's she's all over it. So it's, yeah, it's nice to see someone who has such a such a passion for the for the um, I don't know what word is like program she's in franchise she's in. That's what I want to say. Such a passion for the franchise she's in. And you can just you can, it's just so yeah, so great to see on social media like loving it. And so you get so excited when you know there's like fan art of her and like um, Oscars, Lego yeah. minifigures and that stuff like that. She gets really excited about. So yeah. yeah. More of her, please. Yeah, and more, more of Tem as well. Obviously, like Tem had a lot of interviews saying, like, "Oh, there's a lot of clones I could play." Like, mm. clearly, he will take any paycheck, and I don't mean that in like criticism of. I mean, like, if they turn around and say, "Oh, Tem, here's a bit of money. Can you be in this show?" He's obviously going to do it because he just loves being in Star Wars. He, he loves obviously playing Bobo. Clearly means a lot to him. But I think he also just loves being there. He just seems like the coolest guy ever. So I hope that they don't forget about him and they use him in everything as as much as possible because he is a real gem in the in the Star Wars community. Yeah, he is, and that'd be it'd be great. I mean, there's so many more untold stories um, from like the clones that we we could see in that live action. Obviously, we got hopefully see. Well, like one of the main ones, obviously, is if you see Rex in the, the Ahsoka show. Oh, um, old Rex would just be oh, so good. Yeah, there's um, obviously Commander Cody um, joins the Empire and was like one of the one of the trainers for like stormtroopers and stuff. Get Tamara Morrison can play that. Any other any other clones um, that are like on the run still after the after the um, the Empire or like. You know, the, you could tell the story of. Have, have we heard the story of like Rex, Gregor, and oh, what's that, Wolf? I think we have in like Bad Batch briefly. Oh, yeah, we've we've, we've got bits and bobs of their story, but yeah. like the full picture we're still sort of missing out on a lot of years of what actually happened. So, I mean, three Tamara Morrison standing around talking to each other. Yes, please. Exactly, and then Disney, you have to pay the actor one actor. Like give him obviously a bit of extra because he's playing more than one role, but it's cheaper. It's easy. It's fine. Get it. Get it sorted. I mean, I hope. I hope Tem is is 
building mansions over in New Zealand right now. I hope he's just cashing in that Disney money and he's treating himself. I hope he's got his own Polynesian spa in his back garden. He's just chilling in it. I love that. I love that man. And he just, he's so funny and I can't wait to see him. Like, <laughs> did, you, did you see like the interview about him, like talking about Mace Windu? <laughs> No, <laughs> they were talking about what color your lightsaber would be, and he was, and he was just like, "I definitely wouldn't choose purple." <laughs> <laughs> just always just talks about Mace Windu and how much he hates him. It's just so funny. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, I'd I'd love to know who Tamara Morrison's agent is, because obviously they would have sorted him out for the original role in Attack of the Clones and. Obviously, they're in the. I can imagine him and the the agent and whoever it is, Lucasfilm, in an interview, and he's like, "Oh, we want you to play Jango Fett, badass bounty hunter, blah 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 blah." Yep, yeah, sounds exciting. And then I'm I'm sure as soon as the uh, person at Lucasfilm mentioned the the clones, the agent's ears like lit up. He was like, that "Money." He was like, "Clones, like millions of them." It's like it's an unlimited amount of roles. I'll never have to work again. And then Lucas, his hands again. Yeah, and then Lucas is like, "Oh yeah, so Boba Fett is also a clone." And then, and then they're like, "Wait a minute, so he's Boba Fett as well? Money, let's go, <laughs> guys." He's like Mr. Krabs. Like yeah. the guy's eyes must have changed the dollar signs during that during that meeting. Oh, yeah, I so love good. it. Yeah, and I, and I also just like I love that. Obviously, Star Wars typically casts protagonists in their like 20s 30s and i just love that both um ming na wen and tem are you know slightly older actors but are still the face of star of you know the face of this series and you know one of the key faces of the star wars franchise at the moment they're both people of color as well so i think it's really brilliant that we've got some you know we're not just following the, the old Star Wars tradition of just having, you know, young 20-year-old white men leading Star Wars, but we're actually starting to starting to have really um some diverse protagonists, but also just showing a bit of showing a bit of love for for older action heroes. I think it's something that uh, has gone missing in the last sort of like 20 years. It used to be quite big in like the in like the the 80s and 90s of older action heroes and sort of dipped a little bit. So I'm, I'm glad that, that we're showing some love to 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 Tem and Ming yeah, hundred percent. Like they are leading the the the, uh, the the book of Warfare so well, and like we've just been obviously gassing them both up for the last like five ten minutes. And oh, I'm just I can't wait to see them in future stuff. You know, obviously the the possibilities are endless for Tamir Morrison, and, and hopefully we get like some more uh, Fennec Shan stuff in like comics and uh, books, TV shows. Yeah, I hope she. Because- is in every season of Bad Batch for like a couple episodes like she was in season one and then she pops up in Mando season three it'd be cool to see her and Ahsoka as well like I think her and Ahsoka would bounce off each other quite well if they met like lots of possibilities mm. yeah it'd be uh, exciting to see shall we, uh, shall we start to wrap this episode up with our, our, our usual character discussions yeah of course so who, who's your standout character of the episode uh, my standard character, to be honest, a bit of a bit of a like obvious choice, but uh, I don't care. So I've I've gone for uh, for Mando himself, <clears throat> just because I think he one. I mean, we've we've talked quite a lot about like what Mando and stuff have done in this episode, but <clears throat> I just think his my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the whole thing, as I mentioned, was the scene between him and Boba. You know, just um that that conversation there, that dialogue was. Was, was really good and it really shows who Mando is as a person you know the honour that he has um, in regards to like the creed and 
stuff like that. And then obviously seeing him and Mbappé on their jetpacks, like going going for it, was uh, was badass. And you know, comedic stuff with him, Pelly and Grogu on the on the um <clears throat> their little scooter thing. Uh, well, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, and then him trying to ride the Rancor, and it's like, oh, it was just he was just unbelievable in this episode. You know, it's it's, it's great to see that. That Mando is uh, it gets his time in the, in the limelight as well, alongside Boba Fett, and I think they worked really well off each other together in this episode. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this one to Mando just because he takes my heart. He's, he's my boy. Yeah, yeah, man. Mando is always. I think he's just he has, as I said, as we were both talking about earlier, he has become the face of Star Wars him and Grogu, and he just continues to just steal every scene he's in. Um, Pedro Pascal's vocal delivery, and then. I think this episode was really heavily Brendan Wayne. I think stunt double, I think he was the guy who was in the suit for most of this episode. His physicality as um, Mando is incredible. And um, I just think, yeah, what a character Din Djarin has become. Who would have thought after watching that first episode of The Mandalorian that this guy was going to be like the the Star Wars guy and he, he deserves it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's come on so far since that first episode. Exactly. Who would have thought he'd be in an episode alongside Boba Fett and still you know, be able to like steal a scene, you know? So cool, man. So cool. I had, I had trouble deciding my standout character and I've actually even changed my standout character during the course of this episode. Um, So I do want to give an honorable mention to Ranky the Rancor. Um, As I said, I absolutely adored the Rancor scene, both the one with Grogu putting to sleep, but mostly just like Boba Fett riding a Rancor and some like, Godzilla Goliath fight fights between it and droids just swinging punches and just like jumping out of nowhere and beating up the droids I loved it I thought that was so cool and big up I don't think we have an official name but I think that the fandom's name is Ranky the Rancor so that's my honorable mention cheating I know but my standout character and the reason I have decided this is because it's just over the course of the episode we have not mentioned him once and I was just and I just realized that he was he's a great inclusion to this episode a character that I wasn't really sold on in the first episode but by the end of this episode I was completely sold on him which is that still yet to be unnamed um Twi'lek Major Domo for for the mayor who in this episode was obviously under um, he was a prisoner of Fennec and Boba and I just thought he he really stole some of the scenes in the episode um, like comedically I thought he was brilliant in, in the when they were inside the the bombed out sanctuary and they're talking about like their plan and then he comes over and he's just like I was educated on Coruscant not that that makes me any better than you I just loved that line I thought it was brilliant and he was talking about like um just like the the art of like negotiation and the stuff. And my one of the my favorite scenes of the episode and like the moment that I was just like, this is badass Boba Fett coming in one in three, two, one. And obviously that is just before Boba Fett flies on the jetpack was when he goes out and reads Boba Fett's terms. And I thought this scene was so, was so good because not only is just like the comedy of the character so brilliant and he's just like, oh, I really want to visit the the obsidian cliffs of Obadiah to the pikes and he's chatting absolute breeze and they're just like, right, come on, get on with it. But it's David Pasquese, the performer, is really brilliant in this scene when he's like reading out the terms and he's like, I oh, Boba Fett. And then he points backwards to like where Boba Fett is. 
Um, and then like, these are my terms, blah, 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 all of that. And then when he realizes like what Boba Fett's actually written, his facial expressions is brilliant. He's just like nothing. And then the, the line, um, I, I've I've had the line. Oh yeah, here he is. This is the line. I had to make sure that I got the quote perfect because it's one of my favorite lines of the episode. If you refuse these terms, the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with flowered fields fertilized with the bodies of your dead. Firstly, the delivery on that from uh, the major domo was excellent. I was just like, damn, that's badass. But then I realized that Boba Fett wrote that, which means we now know that Boba Fett is a poet. (laughs) Boba Fett is a way with words. Boba Fett managed to write a line about the arid sands of Tatooine will once again flourish with the flowers. <laughs> like, come on, brilliant stuff. So not only was he a stand-up character because of his great comedic delivery, him sort of flirting with Pelimoto at the end as well was really weird, but really funny as well. So he was great, but I just loved it because he delivered that badass line that Boba Fett wrote on the tablet and then set up Boba Fett's big badass jetpack flying out the sanctuary reveal. Um, so shout out the major domo. I really hope that he is a character we see again in the future because he's really grown on me over this series from me thinking he was maybe a little bit too over the top goofy to by the end being like, this is actually a really funny character and he really worked within this episode. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again in the future. Yeah, me too. I mean, he could possibly take the role of like what Bib Fortuna was doing for Jabba. I know Fennec technically does that, but she's better than that. She she deserves her own little uh, new role or something. She can she can go do something on time. We could be the court and, uh, jester of the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he needs something. He needs something to uh, to do in Bob's uh, Bob's palace because yeah, he's too he's too good to to pass up. And I completely agree with that. That seems great just because of his delivery and and the line Bobber gives him is just. That is, that is poetic. Um, I'm sure Bob has got like a list of haikus and stuff some ways he's been writing down over the years uh, to <laughs> keep his pen game strong because that, that was a key line. That's what, he does in, that's what he does in the Slave One when he's not like bounty hunting, he just writes poems. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me because that line is cold. Yeah, so cold. Unreal. Loved it. Right, have you got a favourite background character? I do, I do. Um and obviously, it's painful to say that this character is background, but um, you know they didn't really do much this episode, and they were there just for just for uh, <clears throat> just to serve a purpose. And that, that is that is R two D two, who is obviously a, a fan favorite character and one of the OGs. You know, there's 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 not many. I'm actually trying to think: is there actually any Star Wars franchise media stuff that he's like not in prequels, original trilogy, sequels? I don't, think he, I don't think he made it into Solo as far as I can remember, but I think that's it. Uh, like yeah, everything Solo. else, Star Wars, uh, he's there. He's he's a consistent thread throughout all of it. Yeah. I'd love, a bit of a sidetrack, but I'd love for like, you know, whenever they finally want to start tying up Star Wars and it just turns out that everything we've seen is just like for like a document, that documentation that he's just kept being in like everything there's experience and it all and it's the, the storytelling is that you just from r2d2's point of view and he's telling someone all these stories he's the, the ultimate uh, secret keeper that, that pesky little droid <laughs> is. yeah he knows, knows everything mental yeah <laughs> um but yeah anyway he, he was just like it's just fun to see him in this episode obviously a bit of bad back and forth banter with uh with pelly and it was just nice of him to uh, to do Luke Skywalker a favour and just drop off uh, Grogu for him before 
head and back. I mean, do we see him leave or is he just then again sitting in this um, hangar? Just like obviously because he's got his sensors and everything, just being like, "What the fuck is going on out there?" <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't see him leave, but he did. He did say he was in a rush because Pelly said, "Yeah, I know you're in a rush. Like, give me a second. So I think uh, as soon as he dropped Grogu off, he was quickly up and away because he he said that he was in a rush. So Luke Skywalker clearly was like, "Right, I need you back by six o'clock, mate." Yeah, man, that's probably true. But yeah, I find it hilarious that he was just sitting there. Like you he just hear, hear the rancor and he's like, what on earth is going on? <laughs> yeah, he's just, he hears that and he's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. He just yeah, like flies like, yeah. away. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> this is Boba Fett's too. problem. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, I'm sure Grogu's fine. See you later. Yeah, good old R2. Back, I mean, yeah. I will never get bored of seeing R2 in Star Wars. He is every, he is, he is the every man droid. Everyone loves R2. He is just the, 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 the robotic face of Star Wars. He is. He's great. I mean, it's, it's always a pleasure to see him. And we all know that um, John Favreau, he's literally like John Favreau's favourite. You know, John Favreau loves a bit of R2, so it'd be, it'd be a shame not to not to see him more in uh, more John Favreau's <laughs> writing. Yeah. Um, my favourite background character is a really random one, but mine is the, the Pike soldier who gets picked up by the Rancor, shot by Boba Fett, and then lobbed <laughs> in the distance. The reason I love that character is because, A, just the whole scene of like Boba shooting him and then the Rancor throwing him was incredible. It was funny. It was brutal. It was everything you want. But then the fact that the Pike soldier did a Wilhelm scream, I loved it because it had been a while since we heard a Wilhelm scream in Star Wars. I can't even remember what the last time it was, but it felt like it's been a while. I haven't heard a good Wilhelm scream. And just having this Pike soldier delivering on a brilliant Wilhelm scream whilst flying through the skies over Mos Espa after being lobbed by a Rancor was brilliant. So I want to give special shout outs to that, that fallen Pike soldier who, who went out in one of the most painful ways possible. <laughs> Poor fella. I mean, yeah, you got a lot of rank, uh, a Wilhelm scream. Like, I was, uh, I mean, part of me surprised that the the Gamorans didn't, didn't get one, but I feel like the noise coming out of their mouths probably wouldn't have made no sense being uh, that high pitched and clearly a man <laughs> screaming. But that would have been, yeah, they're more like a. Like a well. <laughs> it's just, uh, you love a Wilhelm scream. It's one of those noises you just like, you hear and you just instantly <laughs> recognize. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Um, so, yeah. I think that pretty much pretty much wraps it up. I feel like we, we don't really need to give our overall wrap-up thoughts because we've done that a lot throughout the episode. But I think, you know, overall, we're both fairly in agreement that whilst we enjoyed Boba Fett, it wasn't the book of Boba Fett, it wasn't perfect, but it was still fun. And, you know, we were... I think I was... I think I probably, my overall opinion of the show was maybe a little bit more positive than yours, but we're both pretty much in agreement that we enjoyed the show. It was fun. Luke's film gave us seven weeks in a row of fun Star Wars to talk about. And, you know, it's not, it's not quite going to break the upper echelon of Star Wars, but it was still enjoyable. Although I, I will stand by that episode two was a real highlight for me. Like, obviously I really enjoyed like episode five and six, like really cool stuff. But episode two for me still is a really, really powerful episode of Star Wars. And I think the the more I rewatch that, the more I love it. So um, yeah, thanks to John, Dave, Robert Rodriguez, everyone at Lucasfilm. I really enjoyed Book of Boba Fett season one, maybe the only season, season one. Um, but, you know, nothing's perfect, but I think it was a lot of fun. 
And uh, I'm going to continue to focus on the things that I really loved about the show instead of things that I maybe questioned a little bit because, yeah, overall it was fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like, yeah, you are slightly more positive than me about it. But, yeah, as you say, a great show. Um, a great addition to Star Wars. Um, you know, seven weeks of, of entertainment from uh, from Lucasfilm and Disney. So what more What more can you ask for, really? I mean, it's, as we said at the beginning, the mouse is going to keep shouting out stuff uh, for the for the buffet that is Star Wars. So don't have to love everything, but as long as it's entertaining and as long as it fills you up, that'll do me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a that's a pretty pretty good way to end the episode. And I'm just looking at the, the time, and I think we've been recording for <laughs> nearly two hours, so we probably should wrap this one up because um, this is definitely going to be a hefty episode. But we're talking about the finale of of the show, so naturally it's going to be a, bit, a little bit longer. Um, but hopefully this has been a, an enjoyable episode to listen to. And uh, then the next episode of Life from Vader's Castle will be our long-awaited discussion of the High Republic, The Fallen Star. John has finished the book. I have finished my second read of the book, but an audio a listen of the book. So I am I'm ready to talk about it. John's ready to talk about it. So that will be the next episode coming out fairly soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it, actually. I think as it's next week, I might see if I can... Uh fit in a, uh, an audio re-listen or an audio listen uh, in between now and then just uh, so it's fresh in my mind for next week but yeah looking forward to that guys so uh, yeah it should be fun should be fun um so yeah if you if you uh if you've enjoyed this episode and you don't want to miss the next one and the the, the one after that then make sure you're uh, following our podcast or subscribe to our podcast on whatever app you use so you don't miss an episode if you can leave us a review or a rating on your podcast provider please do we've, we've we had a couple of nice ones recently which are really appreciated so thank you um we haven't been posting as much recently on social media because we've been busy but we do post on instagram at live from vader's castle twitter at Vader's Castle Pod. So keep up with our social media. I'm also live from Vader's Castle on YouTube as well and TikTok and that sort of thing. So follow us and hopefully there will be more posts, book reviews and that sort of thing coming up soon. But we have been quite busy. So it's just been difficult to, to get stuff get stuff out on there. But we like interacting with people on, on Instagram and that sort of thing. So so check us out over there. Um, so yeah, that's everything from me. Glad glad to be back recording podcasts again and looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it was, it was been a pleasure recording this for you guys and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.